Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 64 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So once again, thanks for letting me be in your earballs and thanks for tuning in to the MTB Tribe podcast. If you want to get more involved with the podcast, it's very simple. All you have to do is go to the website mtb-tribe.com. You can subscribe. You can get in contact via there. You can also find us on socials. We're on Facebook and Instagram at MTB Tribe. And that is cool. And if you want to help out the show, just share with friends. Take a screen snap. Do whatever you need to do on your mobiles and just share with friends and let them know that the show is here and what we do and that we cover people trying to get off sofas and on saddles and we chat to the local guys and everybody that makes this mountain biking thing so exciting. So um, I would really appreciate that, folks. So thanks so much. Now, on episode number 64, we're chatting with Andy Cole. Now, Andy is a massively passionate photographer. And even though he does take photography of more than just mountain biking, mountain biking and action sports, especially the old MTB stuff, is where his true interests lie. You can check out Andy's images on his very cool website at alcphotography.co.uk. Now, Andy first got in contact when he had just published an article for Pink Bike about his adventure with Sean Green and his grizzly Monroe diaries. Now, I was so impressed with Andy's images for that article and the overall Grizzly Monroe idea, really, that I had to reach out and ask both Sean and Andy to be guests on the show. So I was lucky enough that they both agreed to come on and tell their stories, one from the writer's perspective and the other from the photographers. So I thought it would make a couple of very interesting episodes. I'd shown on the podcast back on episode 57 but now, with Andy's schedule having a few gaps, he was kind enough to put an hour aside or so and come on the show to tell us all about how this all started, how he and Sean first hooked up, and what it was like to photograph and ride in such unpredictable elements up there in the mountains of Scotland. And uh, the images are just amazing. You have to check them out, folks. So we chat about this, plus how Andy got into mountain biking because he's a very keen mountain biker himself and he's up there riding with Sean. He's, he's in the elements himself. He's carrying all his photography gear, plus his bike gear, everything. So it's a real challenge for these guys. So we talk about how he got into mountain biking, what he loves about it so much, the kind of style of, of biking that he really enjoys, how and when he started photography, and how he catches that perfect image, plus much, much more. We chat about his photography equipment, and we go into editing, and we chat about how you, if you're keen to get into mountain biking photography, how you can best go about that, and he's got some really good tips on that for you guys. So, sit back, enjoy the show, and let's welcome Andy Cole to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Andy, how are you doing this evening sir? Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things with you today? Yeah, all good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. You are more than welcome on the show, that's for sure. And just let us know, where are you based at Andy? 
I'm best in Leeds, Yorkshire. Uh, so yeah, got some quite good hills around here. And... Cool, man. And you were saying that the weather wasn't great there this evening? Not today, not today, but we've had a really good weekend, so can't complain, really. <laughs> good stuff. Now, um, Andy, you're a freelance photographer. Yep. And you got in contact with me initially about Sean Green and the Grizzly Monroe Diaries. Um, yeah, had, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and we had Sean back on the podcast on episode number 57. So here, listen, thanks so much for putting me in contact with Sean. It was great to hear his story and get him on the podcast. So thanks very much for doing that. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I think that you do quite a different aspect to you know, mountain biking podcasts and something different. It's not all about racing. It's not all about uh, products and components and stuff. So I thought it'd been a good, thought it'd be a good shout to have him on. Yeah, no, thanks, and I appreciate you saying that because that's what I want to kind of do with the podcast. So it's cool that yeah. you actually noticed that. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, good stuff, and um, we'll get into the uh, we'll get into the Grizzly Monroe Diaries a wee bit later on because your images from that, your commitment to that, and everything else is outstanding. So um, we'll get you on to chat about that. That'll be awesome. All right, nice one. Cheers. Thanks for that. And um, anybody that wants to check out your website, it's alcphotography.co.uk. Yeah, that's the one. Very nice website. Did you design that yourself? Uh, I did, yeah. I did, did it all myself. I used like um, a template and just kind of, you know, tweaked it a little bit from there. Yeah, it's really using, cool. We're using Wix, so... Ah, nice one, nice one. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really clean, you know what I mean? And it's, it's easily navigated and everything like that. So, yeah, it's a smart-looking website. Man. I think it really suits photography in a way, if you know what I mean. Did you go for that kind of idea? or? Yeah, I definitely wanted, like, a clean look. I mean, the one I had before was, was even probably a little bit more cleaner than that. It was just, just the images, really. And I wanted to add on to that, if you know what I mean, just to put, like, a blog on there and put... Uh, a better contact page and things like that mm-hmm. just to make it a bit more personal but yeah definitely went for the, the clean look just to make the images talk do the talking really ah very smart yeah no it definitely works cool and um when you initially got in contact with me it was to do with a pink bike article you had written um for sean and for the grizzly monroe diaries how did you drop in with pink bike that's a because that's a pretty great achievement right there it's through there, they do like a, a personal blog page. So you can do, write your own thing or put your, post your own images. Uh, and then you kind of send it to the editors there and they pick and choose if they want to, if they want to put it on the cover for, in the cover page or not. Mm-hmm. So we've had two now, which is, well, I've done two trips with Sean and we've had two um, pink bike cover articles on there. Wow. Because, yeah, it's so different, isn't it? Like, it, it's so... It's well, as I said to Sean, it's just crazy. Yeah, in a world, it's you know we're kind of flooded now with images and articles and video content. So it's nice to kind of get recognised a little bit and get on that um, get on that cover page. Yeah, yeah, no, it's so cool, man. And we'll get into that a wee bit later because it's such a cool adventure that you guys are doing. Because I know you're, I know you're, you've been with Sean. Have you just been with him twice, or have you been not with him more than that? No, we've, we've just done two two trips together. Right, okay, that's cool. All right, nice one. Now, let's chat a wee bit about you, Andy, because I want to get into the photography thing because it plays such a big part in the mountain biking industry. Um, 
well, every yeah, kind depends. of lifestyle, lifestyle industry, to be honest. But so, how did you get started in photography then? Um, I used to do a lot of hiking, biking, and basically, I just wanted to capture what I see. You know, when, when you're out there, when you're when you're up in the hills. So I, I just bought, like everybody does, a cheap camera and just went from there. Um, I was interested as a kid. Um, my stepdad had a, a old film cameras, old SLRs. So I just kind of took it on from there, really. Wow. That's cool. So you've been into it from, well, it's been a passion, I suppose, from quite a young age. Uh, yes, but only kind of taking it seriously the last five, six years. Mm, cool. And is it your full-time work, is it, Dandy? Or? Uh, not yet, but it's getting there. It's getting more and more popular. But I'm lucky. I've got a, I work for a really good company that I've been with since I was 15 years old. So um, quite flexible. And I've kept to kind of, do what I want really, and do the do this, the photography side of it as well. Wow, that's pretty cool that they, they let you do that. That's pretty understanding. Yeah, we're just we're just a small company, so if we cover each other and, and it's not related to mountain biking, but we sell bearings and engineering products. So we do sell mountain bike bearings as well. So it's kind of you know we supply local shops. And... Mm-hmm. Cool. It sounds very interesting and. Um, so you, you hope to do the photography thing full-time at some stage. That's your real passion, is it? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's not something that I'm, I'm pushing that much, to be honest, because the mountain biking and the outdoor and adventure side is where I want to direct it. So I think I could make a living if, from doing weddings and portraits and other events and things like that, but I'm definitely focused on the adventure side of it and getting out there and getting into the hills. Yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, that's your passion. And, you know, just looking at your yeah, site, definitely. yeah, and just looking at your site, you've got, let me have a quick wee look here. I'm actually just going to pull, pull it up. Yeah, so you've got you've got a section on on the right-hand side. Um, sorry, my internet looks so. Um, two feet views about me blog. Um, so you've two wheels and two feet, so that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah. That's pretty neat. And... Uh, you have a blog on there too, which gets a lot of traffic. Uh, some, some articles do, yeah, depending what kind of events I'm covering. But yeah, some articles get some good uh, some good views on there. Yeah, and that's to say a... that they get published on the pink bike as well. Yeah, that's cool because a lot of bl- blogs, I think blogs are coming back, to be honest. You know, they're getting more popular, but they definitely for people reading stuff nowadays it's kind of hard to get people to read stuff <laughs> yeah i know especially you know more than a five minute read or <laughs> yeah and small, i like, I like the way to... sorry sorry and i was just going to say i like the way you put in your blog how long it's going to take you to read <laughs> i think that that comes up automatically that's not that's not me that does that <laughs> um i thought that was a brilliant idea anyway so well you know um yeah, that's cool time, that it does that um, read it and put an egg timer on there as well just time it and see how long it takes <laughs> good stuff um so yeah that's interesting and uh your stories are your stories are very good so as far as you see you see when i'm doing the podcast and i do the show notes i hate doing show notes i'm not a right. writer i don't i don't enjoy it but your stuff reads really well have you any training in that or anything or no not at all really uh, it's just what i've I'd like to, it started off from documenting my rides, really. Um, I used to do like a small uh, blog, uh, All Mountain Rider, I think it was, I remember. 
Um, and I just documented my ride. Every time I went out, I'd take a few pictures and just document the ride that I'd, that I'd done, just as a personal kind of thing, really, just to keep track of, mm-hmm. like a journal, just to keep track of the past rides that I've done. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it really works. It's cool. And it adds, a, it adds a really nice level to your website, if you know what I mean. It's just something about Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so let's talk a wee bit about you and about mountain biking. So you're obviously a keen mountain biker. When did you start biking? When I was a kid, really. As soon as you building building bikes up from scrapyards and getting bits here and there, and yeah, just a long time ago now. <laughs> and and what interested you in mountain biking? What got you passionate about it? Um, it's the ability to cover distance really and get out there in, into the hills and you know get out there for longer and see more do more uh and the, the kind of the drilling side of it as well i suppose just every aspect about mountain biking yeah i think that's well said actually because that's how that's i think what i would say too it, it's yeah. just all them wee aspects come together with a mountain bike really yeah it's just getting out and exploring and seeing things and doing things and you know playing on a bike as well yeah yeah so what is your local scene like there tell us a wee bit about your riding friends and stuff like that yeah the local scene's growing because of the um the new urban the leeds urban bike park that's opened up uh, so there used to be a strong community of riders in uh, middleton woods or miggy woods um that you know downhill trails and a few um few good loops around there and now the bike park's opened up. It seems to have just boomed to the, the mountain bike scene around here. Mm. And is that like a trail centre, Andy, is it? Yes, it's a trail centre. They, they've just um, they've got like a red route that goes into the woods, just like a 4K loop. But it's really good and it's getting quite a lot of press attention in the UK at the moment. And they've got a really good cafe and it just seems to be growing and growing. They've got a BMX track and a really good um, pump track. A blue blue loop and a red loop at the top, just like skills skills mm-hmm. areas. Wow, aye. And do they do it? Is there a play park there? Is there something for families? Is it all set out like that? Yeah, there's, there's something for everybody really. There's like I said, there's a, a green loop that goes around the, the woods. Um, there's a red trail that drops into the forest with lots of features, big big jumps, big berms, and a lot lots to progress on. Wow. And then um, yeah, they've got their BMX track, their pump track. And a few skills areas at the top. Yeah, I had um, I had Rob Olko on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, and um, we were chatting a wee bit about BMX because he's he's in like an indoor park. He does a lot of training and that over the winter and stuff. And we were chatting yeah. a bit about BMX, and BMX seems to be coming back again. Do you think so? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah, I do a lot of um, work with a small uh, community called Little Rippers. Um, and their, their, their ethos is to get kids out on, on bikes, really. And they do a lot of coaching sessions up at the Leeds Bike Park. Mm-hmm. And a lot of kids are turning up on BMXs, you know, because it's a cheap, affordable way to get into biking, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's awesome. And, you know, the trail centres back home in Ireland, where I'm from, um, up well, up north anyway, um, the trail centres are brilliant. There's play parks there there's good green loops and stuff like that to get families out and just, you know, and there's walking track trails and stuff. But I think that's what they're, they're maybe missing is a BMX 
track because I think that is a really easy way for kids to get into mountain biking further down the line, like you say, cheaper BMX wise. Yeah, definitely. And with the Leeds Urban Bike Park as well, the, the cafe um, faces the pump track and the BMX track. So you, know, you see the mums and dads there, they just go for a coffee and let the kids play on the, on the tracks. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's very smart, actually. Yeah, so it, smart. it seems to take an off um, a lot. It's, on a weekend, you can't get packed up. It's a very popular spot now. Yeah. Well, I started BMXing when I was a kid, and there was a local fella just and they had a field beside their house which they owned and he had a massive massive bmx track and it was really world-class kind of stuff you know right um, but it kind of died out uh when that whole scene left that would have been in the late 80s i suppose yeah. late 80s, something like that that whole scene died out and um you know but it does seem everything you know highs and troughs and all that kind of stuff but yeah it does seem to be getting a wee bit more popular again yeah maybe right that'll be cool i'll have to get a bmx next that's oh <laughs> just another bike to us at least <laughs> yeah Mine, um, mine's growing now i want a, a bike packing bike a downhill bike you know the list just goes on and on with bikes ah it does <laughs> it's one of those oh man oh dear you, you never you're never done are you no no <laughs> i've, I've just got the one bike at the moment just to just to do it all kind of machine so right what are you riding it's a bird am9 so it's oh. a, a uk based company yeah wow is that a steel frame or is it uh, it's aluminium no it's alloy aluminium all right okay full suspension yeah it's good uh, front and rear suspension mm-hmm. um it's quite it's quite a new kind of geometry as well so very long very uh, slack it's I had the I went from a specialised enduro which got stolen uh, about seven months ago now. Oh, for freak's sake! Yeah, um, I've got it back to be honest, which is mm. quite a story. But <laughs> very good. Um, so, have you many friends that you bike with and stuff there locally? Uh, yeah, there's quite a, a small group of us, up to about ten. So, it's usually someone to go riding with. But I, I, I tend to ride a lot by myself, to be honest. Mm. Unless well, I head north and do a trip with Sean. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sean it, seems to it's be a long way to go for a ride. Mm, definitely right. Well, let's chat a wee bit about photography then and mountain biking, if you don't mind. And yep. do you feel, first of all, do you feel that with platforms such as Instagram, for for example, um, is photography the new way content is being absorbed? Do you think in, in mountain biking? Uh, yeah, I think it is. I think because everybody's got a, a phone, you know. A, with a camera on it these days. So everybody's got a camera in the pocket. Everybody carries a camera when they go out riding. And it's it's just another way to, you know, document your riding, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's good for the industry or good for photography or? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. A lot of photographers don't agree, but I think it is because I think, to, to be honest, I think there's a difference between a photographer taking a picture and somebody with a, a camera phone. So if something's, flooded you know that like the market's probably flooded at the moment with images but if if your images stand out then i think there's a i think it's beneficial for you to be honest mm-hmm. yeah 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 totally um so you've worked with some pretty cool clients um including what you've been red bull pink bike cranked magazine freeride magazine dirt magazine you've been with quite a lot of guys there so 
how did that all come about or what stands out with working with them individual kind of companies? Uh, to be honest, most of them have contacted me. Um, like the Freeride magazine was for the Red Bull, um, the Red Bull Hardline. They want to use a couple of images. Um, yeah. Wow, and they just got in contact and wanted to use the images you had posted up or were on your website? or. Yeah, yeah I think, yeah, the, I sent them a link. They contacted me and asked if I had some uh, images from there. So I sent them a link and just, you know, told them to use whichever they wanted, really. Mm-hmm, and then they I already told them which ones had already been, been published. So they kind of had their own um, exclusive content. Right, cool. Cool. And how does that whole photography thing work with the magazines and stuff? Is it all just like that? Is it all just freelance kind of? Do they get in contact with you? Can you send stuff to them? How does that actually work? I think it's a bit of a bit of both, to be honest. Um, I sent you know sent articles, I sent um, uh, like photo stories and images to companies. Same with the pink bike, uh, with the pink bike articles. Just put put it out there and see if anyone, uh, if anybody's interested. Mm-hmm. Or, or you get people that if they know you're going to an event um, like the World Cup for instance or uh, some bigger bigger events like that you might get different different magazine and different publica- different publications seeing if they've got any seeing if you've got any uh, images to spare really mm-hmm. yeah so the likes of all them events and stuff you got to obviously pay to go yourself and you just go off your own bike and take the photos Um so have you ever had cases where the likes of Red Bull or Pink Bike would actually ask you to go and do that for them? Does that happen? Or uh, yeah, it happens. It's not. I don't think it's happened to me yet. Um, the Red Bull, I covered the um, the what's it called? The female um, fox hunt. Mm-hmm. Went up there and helped out their photographers for that was a couple of years ago now. And you, I put that into their content pool, so they have like a, it's like Getty Images kind of thing. So uh, publications go and use Red Bull photography, mm-hmm. or like you know, for their articles really, and pay Red Bull per image. Like um, that's how like Getty Images work, people like that. Oh, okay, okay. So it's it's a pretty difficult industry to make money at. Yeah, definitely, because I think the 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 market's saturated at the moment, to be honest, but yeah, it's one that I'm kind of pushing towards. So it's like I say, I'm not in a rush to to go for it. So that's why I'm kind of holding back, really, on anything on uh, everything else. Mm, mm. And I suppose it's like quite a lot of those things where once you land that one big fish per se, then everybody kind of looks at you and, and wants you. You know that kind of way. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah, wow, it's it's very interesting. And, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't seem an easy thing to be involved in um, with equipment and everything else. And you kind of you kind of need to know what you're doing. So let's chat a wee bit about about the, the Grizzly Monroe Diaries with Sean then, if you don't mind. Yep. Um, so how did that all start? How did that all come about? Um, we seem to be on, on popping up on each other's Facebook um, groups and things like that. Really, we seem to be a, a member of each, um, like the Scottish hill walking ones, um, Scottish Monroe ones, Scottish mountain biking ones, uh, mountain bike photography groups. 
Um, I'm an admin of a, a group called the NCB UK Photo Group. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, there's no nonsense on there. There's no rubbish. We don't post silly memes or anything like that. It's all just like photography based. It's not just, um, you know, professional photographers. There's a lot of you know, mobile. I post a lot of my mobile shots on there. And Sean used to post a lot of his on there. And we just kept popping up on each other's social media, really. Mm-hmm. And commenting on each other's posts. Uh, and so I, we just started chatting and contacting each other. And just took it from there, really. And I kind of volunteered myself, which to <laughs> ask him if I could join him on one of his trips, and he said, "Yeah, unfortunately." Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, sorry for laughing, but yeah, some of the stuff he does, man, you have to be a bit of a masochist or something. I don't know to be doing that. Well, I did think that when I was halfway up um, the mountain in the, on the Memorial Range the first time I met him. Um, yeah. With a massive backpack on my back, a, a, the DVA guide back, um, borrowed one of them to get me around. So I had one of them on my back as well, carrying up. And I just thought, what am I doing here? And it's red hot. <laughs> <laughs> but you just got to stop for a minute and just look around and then realize why you're there. Yeah, it's a crazy thing he's doing. So for for people that haven't listened to uh, Sean's episode with us or, or don't know of what he's doing, so is it? It's 282 Scottish Monroes he's, he's planning to ride, isn't that right? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. It's something like that anyway, isn't it? Um, so he's taking a mountain bike to where a mountain bike has probably never been before. Yeah, and he's riding a lot of the descent. I know somebody has done it in the 90s, I think. Somebody did all the Monroes and carried a bike around. But he's actually, you know, you know how things have changed since the 90s. He's actually riding, you know, the majority of most. He's actually riding what he can, you know. The trails mm-hmm. there is every single bit. He's trying to ride, trying to get as much riding off the mountain as he can, really. Mhm. Well, it's crazy. And um, tell us a wee bit about Sean. Like, you know, I've obviously had him on the podcast. He's a top, top notch guy. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's such a crazy thing to do. And it's not even like he's making a living from it or anything, you know. Um, but what's he like to ride with in those sessions? Is he, is he a good lad, good crack? Yeah, definitely. We seem to we seem to hit it off and got on really well. Uh, we seem to have the same kind of dry sense of humour. So uh, I give him some stick every now and again and he gives me some stick. So, it, we, yeah, he's, uh, and he can ride a bike as well, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Makes it, makes it challenging to keep up anyway on the... Deep technical trails with a with a pack full of camera gear. <laughs> so fill us in a wee bit, Andy, on what the terrain's like. What are you two guys doing up these mountains? What is the terrain like for a mountain bike? Um, it's not ideal, really. <laughs> it's it's steep. Um, it's tough. I suppose there's some Munros out there that are very good and very bikeable and nice flowing trails, but he's not taken me on one yet, so I'm still. Still trying. Yeah, and uh, you know, so you've got big ascents and then scary descents and stuff like that. Um, yep. And I suppose it's areas you've never been to before. Um, and you are on a mountain. Is there any scary times where you just, you know, the fog comes in? Any of those kind of issues where you don't know where you're at and all of a sudden you're, you can't see twenty feet in front of you? 
Yeah, definitely. And the last trip that we did, we got onto the summit ridge and the winds just hit us. And I, well, the bike that I'm on is, um, at the moment, is 20, the Bird AM9 is 29 inch wheels. And they were just like sails. They were just, the wind was just coming, howling underneath me and just scooping me up, to be honest with you. Wow. So I just left the bike there and carried on on foot. Um, and we got to like a scrambler section where Sean would have to mount the bike on his back and you know use hands to climb up really essentially Jeez. and we decided from there to to turn back around uh, i don't know if you've seen his video of the mm. where yeah. we were but, i mean you could hardly hear him from the wind and it was it was difficult to stand up to be honest with you so we decided we didn't summit or sean didn't summit just for safety reasons really because we, if we're on like a knife edge ridge with wind blowing and you're carrying a bike on your back as well you know it's could be a bit life-threatening i suppose yeah wow that's that is just crazy and so you would certainly need to be able to handle your, yourself on a bike to do something like this yeah the descent down were quite windy but once we got like on the other side of the ridge um, we were sheltered from the, the wind a bit really uh, there and the grass descent were just like open grass just tussocks and little streams rocky outcrops so you really have to kind of pick your pick your line and find the best way down. Really, um, there's a couple of images that I got a Sean on a like a little rock, rocky outcrop, uh, looking out over to Lock Horn, uh, with a, like the lock in the background and the mountains, and Sean just kind of just dropping off this little rock, little rocky outcrop, which is a which makes for a nice image, mm. and kind of yeah. puts him into perspective as well. You know, it kind of shows you just how small how small we are out there on a bike. Mm, yeah, so tell us about how you get those images because I'm really interested in this. You're out there with with um, Sean, but how do you go about, do you say to Sean, okay, I'm going to wait here, go you over there, and when you're ready, give me a shout or something, and then I'll start taking photos. How does it work? How do you plan what you're going to take and you know, if you're going to wait or if you're going to go to a certain point? How does that all work out? Uh, we just basically go for a ride. And then if Sean sees, because Sean's got a really good eye as well, to be honest. Um, so if he sees something or I see something, we'll just stop, take a little look at it. Um, I'll maybe get into pause there while I just get take a quick snapshot just to see what it looks like. Uh, and then just get him to ride. Um, try and get him to throw a shape out, just to throw his elbow, just to kind of exaggerate that corner a little bit or to exaggerate the drop a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, we, we kind of get the shot first go or maybe second go. It's not too, cause, because he's got a challenge to do and he's very kind of driven in that. So it's hard mm-hmm. to kind of to get him to do, you know, to get him to go back and redo the shot. Yeah, so that actually happens. So he'll come down, the shot will just not be great or whatever. And you'll say, Sean, you wouldn't mind uh, hiking back up and coming down again. Is that the kind of way it goes? Yeah, definitely, yeah. I'll just, you know, <laughs> tell him to, Look a bit cooler in the next shot, or <laughs> stop pulling a funny face, or ah, oh, brilliant, hey, brilliant. Um, so it takes a wee bit of time, I'm sure, and I'm sure you're always looking at things, thinking, oh, that could be a good shot, or that could be a good shot. Um, does it take away from the ride? I suppose you're there to take photos, so you know, um, that's your main objective there. But do you ever feel to yourself that I wish I could just forget about the camera and ride here? Um, sometimes, yeah, but that's, I don't really have that in my head when I go out with Sean because 
that's what that's what we're there to do. We're kind of get get in there to get content and get images and document the trip through a, a photo story. Or so that's kind of what we're there to do, really. Um, but it's something like we were the last trip that we did. We didn't have much light at all. To be honest, we were in the cloud for the majority of the time. So when them when them breaks in the cloud did happen, we made the most of what we got. And luckily, we were in some epic kind of scenery and backdrops. So anywhere we were, were you know, you couldn't really take a bad picture when the cloud lifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and your images are amazing. And are, are most of your images quite close up? Because I've seen a, I've seen images of yours with Sean pretty far in the distance. Um, so do you do stuff like that as well? Would just be apart quite a bit as well? Um, I think that might just be like a wide angle or I might okay. see a shot like like the shot I was talking about looking over Loch Horn. Um, I saw that shot and we used a wide angle to begin with and we had Sean, I had Sean coming in on my left-hand side of the frame and he was kind of coming into shot mm-hmm. and I was uh, snapping away there. But it, it seemed to kind of, we were losing the background a bit because we were using a wide angle lens. So I trekked up the hill for not, not too far, a few hundred metres, a couple of hundred metres and put a, a longer telephoto lens on and could compress the background then and, you know, kind of make sure it makes Sean look like he's, he's in the mountains, he's amongst the mountains. So yeah, not too, not too far, but a couple of hundred meters uh, trek and a few shouts telling him where to go and telling him what, what rocks to drop off. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it, it is amazing, you know, and the images are, are amazing. And, um, you know, yeah, well, you deserve it for definite. The two of you deserve it because it's a team effort, I suppose. Yeah, it um, definitely is. Like I said, Sean, has got a great eye as well, and he'll spot things that I don't spot, and I'd spot things that he, don't spot, that he doesn't spot. Yeah, cool. So you're up there with your bike, your gear, your spare tires, your spare tubes, whatever you're taking up with you. And camera equi- camera equipment. How does how much does your equipment weigh? Um, I don't I don't know the exact weight to be honest, but it's a heavy piece of kit. I ride with <laughs> um, full frame Nikon gear, so I've got uh, all two point eight as well. The speed, the fast glass, which you know, it weighs a lot. So <laughs> on top of riding gear, uh, first you know we, we're literally in the middle of nowhere at times, so we've got you know, backcountry gear as well. You know emergency waterproofs and extra layers food so it can get quite heavy yeah certainly and you know obviously you've got all this expensive camera equipment you don't want to fall and damage it and all this kind of stuff um so do you actually enjoy these kind of adventures yeah definitely yeah this is the the kind of riding i enjoy is being out there in the middle of you know in the middle of the mountains really big big descents, big climbs. Yeah, and you have to be fit, eh? Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like to be fit, eh? But... Uh, does Sean help you carry the gear, or does he leave, leave it all up to yourself? He leaves it all to me. Ah, dirty <laughs> dog, dirty dog. He does um, carry the majority of the, like I've said, said to him, you know, I minimise my toolkit, really, so I just carry a small multi-tool, a spare link, um, in a tube and the gas canister and a, a regulator really that's all I carry and a set of brake pads so he's got the majority of the pump you know and everything else just in case we need to do a bigger you know if we have a 
a major maintenance problem. Yeah. Yeah, because you're up there, you're by yourselves. You probably don't have phone service up there a lot of the time, I would think. No, no, we didn't have um, phone reception last time. Yeah. No, no reception all weekend. Wow. And is that ever in the back of your mind if you ever have an issue or an injury or anything like that? Yeah, it's got to be really. It's got to. You've got to. It's got to play a part um, because you know you don't want to. It restricts your riding as well a little bit, I suppose, because you don't want mm. to push push the distance too much, just in case you do have a mechanical and you've got a you know twenty mile walk back to back to your car or back to the boat as opposed to the last trip. Yeah, it really. You know the difference between doing that kind of thing and riding in your local trail centre. Can you even call the both of them mountain biking? You know what I mean? It's so different. I think that's the joy of mountain biking, really. It's how different it can be. You know, like we said, we can you can have a spin on a on a pump track, you know, t- two yards away from the cafe or just outside from the from your vehicle, mm-hmm. or you can be in the middle of nowhere with a, a bike packed up with camping gear and you know living in the in the mountains for a few days. Yeah, it's certainly cool, man. It really, really is. Um, so let's chat a wee bit just about general photography and, and stuff like that. So what are the difficulties when you're photographing mountain biking? Um, difficulties are, in what sense, what kind of... You know, with the motion of the rider and setting up a nice shot, and is it just trial and error? Do you just have to sit in a place and try it? If it doesn't work, move somewhere else? Yeah, you essentially, know. yeah. You just yes. got to, you've just got to pick your different settings to get the image that you want. Mm. Not the image that you're going for, really. Yeah, and for somebody, for somebody who, you know, does wedding photography or does something like that and is interested in mountain biking, do you think? mountain biking photography takes a little longer to get good at you know does it require a different set of skills or anything or um i'm not sure to be honest i mean i came from hiking and climbing and like i said just having a camera in my pocket and just capturing capturing documenting the weekend or documenting a trip Mm -hmm. and i think that kind of passes over into mountain biking really it's Mm. capturing an action spot but you can also be capturing the scenery, you know, it's it, the the landscape aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So it kind of combines, for me, um, the, my kind of, what I like to capture is like the, the mountain bike in the mountains, really, or in, in the, where a mountain bike should be, whether that's in the woods or in the, in the mountains, it's capturing that backdrop as well, as opposed to just capturing the action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no I, I i see that from your images and it's it's really cool and i suppose well i don't know you maybe have a knife for photography or not but i suppose somebody that doesn't do that kind of photography might not think along them lines yeah maybe yeah that's interesting um what about the elements then and i'm sure you're well <laughs> you're well experienced in this with doing the the grizzly monroe stuff um what about the elements like rain, wind, etc.? How do you work around unforeseen things like that when you're shooting? Do you just get on with it, or? Yeah, you just got to get on with it, really. Um, if you want to get the shot, you've got to get your camera gear out. So, uh, I mean, you can get 
I do carry like a plastic sheet that just covers up my camera and kind of covers up the lenses. But yeah, essentially you've just got to forget about it and keep it as dry as you can. Keep it as keep it in your pack and you know get it out when you need that shot. Mm, yeah, and I suppose it's. I suppose it's going prepared. It's looking at the weather forecast. It's taking the gear you know you may need and all that kind of thing. That all plays into it as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, with the last trip that we did, the weather forecast wasn't great. Um, but we decided to go anyway because that's sometimes when you get the best the best images because when, when the light breaks up, when the clouds break up, you get that. You get some really nice soft light, which we, which we did on the last trip that we did. We got some amazing images because of the weather, really, because the weather was so... Um, mixed we had like storms uh, but then when the storms passed we had like this amazing light just for maybe 10 you know 10 minutes 5 to 10 minutes at a time really mm-hmm. so that's when you've got to kind of just drop everything oh that's what we did we just dropped everything and just got as many images as we could in that time frame and luckily we seem to be in in you know, good locations at the time as well mm very very interesting yeah and uh you know you need a bit of experience obviously to understand that kind of thing and know when to put your camera away and when to get it out and all so yeah well there's, this, there's an image where i mean i've got one of sean and i've passed the camera to sean and he got an image of me um with a lavin the mountain that we attempted in the background with like god raised the column just like streaks of light just coming coming across and we just literally just stopped dead and to just look behind us and could see it all breaking up, see all the clouds breaking up, stop dead, held on for a couple of minutes and then rushed to kind of rush to get the shot when the when the light just hit the mountain perfectly. <laughs> ah, it's it's cool. It's really good to have an eye for something like that and, and understand that. And I suppose it helps you too with Sean having a good eye for it as well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Cool, you are a tag team, that's for sure. Uh, now, what about the editing and stuff like that? And I'm sure that's quite time-consuming afterwards and all. Do you do all the editing yourself and everything? Yeah, I do all the editing, yeah. Like um, the like the image that I was just talking about, the one with the, the light streaks, uh, I think I spent two hours on each image just just for that image alone. Just you to me. No, just to get... I mean, a lot of them were... The, if you look through the paint bike article, the images were quick, you know, just kind of quick edits, just tweaking little things here and there, and a little bit of contrast and sharpening. But the image that with the with the light rays, it were such a high dynamic range, the difference between the light and the shadows, that I created two images essentially uh, out of one image and just blended them together in Photoshop, which just took a just took a little little while longer. Wow, that that's crazy. And do you enjoy that process of editing? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I enjoy kind of looking back and trying to get as much, trying to get the image that I saw when I was there. If you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I kind of saw that image and I knew what I had in mind, and it was then taking it from the camera or knowing like how to set the camera up to get the image, and then dropping that into the computer and trying to get that image that I had in my, in my mind's eye, really. Mm. Try, and, try and bring that image out. Yeah, it's certainly cool, man. And I suppose the digital camera helps because you can just shoot away. Yeah, that's um, right. 
But I suppose it also is a bit of a hindrance then when you go to edit and you have thousands of photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I try to kind of limit it, trying to just take one or two, one or two maybe shots of uh, of each setup, and then you don't have too much to go through. Yeah, yeah, um, because it almost makes it too easy to take photos, if you know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, you know, you're not wasting any film or. You don't have mm-hmm. the 26, 30 frames to go through. You've got as many, yeah. as many as you want now. Yeah. And uh, talking about that, have you any training in Photoshop? Have you any training in photography, anything like that? Yeah, I started um, with graphic design, really. Um, so that's what I did at, at college. And you know, Photoshop were, was part of that, really. So the Photoshop side came from that. But the photography, it's just I've learned through trial and error, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of taught myself. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And because I know there's a lot of guys and girls, you know, that that love photography and love taking photos of a sport or an industry that they really, really enjoy. Um, but a lot of them will just probably do it, try them there, like yourself. Yeah, that's um, with like I said, with the digital cameras now, you can you know, take that picture and mess around with your settings and just press the play button on the back and, you know, you can see where you've gone, what you've done wrong. You can see the image as soon as you've clicked, as soon as you've clicked that shutter button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite interesting. So let's chat a wee bit about your equipment. Just, just for anybody that's maybe interested in doing something like this or wanting to get involved in some way. So can we talk a wee bit about the equipment you use, if you don't mind? Yeah, yeah. So what would you say the cost outlay for the equipment you use would be roughly? Um, roughly, it would be about, I think it's about £1,200 for the camera. Um, £1,500 for the lens, I think, the 7200 lens. Uh, if you want like fast glass, which is like a wide aperture, uh, like 2.8 or faster, that's when, the, that's when it starts to get costly, I suppose. So... On the trip with Sean, I probably carried around five to five to six thousand pounds worth of gear. Wow! So it's it's pretty expensive, um, certainly. Yeah, I mean uh, you can pick up you know cheap DSLRs now for three to four hundred quid, I think, with a lens. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, to kind of like I said, to get that fast glass, it's that's where you start to pay the money. And and what uh, what do you use? What's your go-to kind of piece of equipment? What I've got, what I use is a, a Nikon D750, which is a full-frame Nikon camera. Mm, and and your lens then? A range of lenses I've got from 16mm to 200mm. Uh, it's all, 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 all 2.8 as well, which means it's you know I can get kind of fast shutter speed to capture the action. Mm-hmm. And besides that, to a novice like me, what other gear do you do you kind of need or would you have to think about getting? That's it, really. To capture to mountain biking, it's just a camera and a lens. That's all you really need. Mm. There's not there's not much of a gear that that, um, that you need, really. Yeah, and would you ever do? You know, would you use tripods and all that kind of stuff in certain places, or is it better for an action sport just to be handheld? Yeah, for for action sports, you're using a fast enough shutter speed that you. You don't really need to use a tripod. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. do. If me and Sean are riding together, or 
maybe out by myself, I'll carry a tripod then to kind of set the sh- set the shot up and sh- set the um, set the shot up and trigger it remotely uh, using like a remote trigger, mm-hmm. and that way I can I can get an image if I'm out riding by myself. So I can get an image then. Yeah, pretty cool. And you know what's interesting to me is is uh, the, the whole drone thing at the minute. Like that's yeah. just getting crazy. I know you see some great perspectives with the with using drones. I mean, me and Sean are, or Sean's doing the Culling Ridge next next year, which is like the most. I think he spoke about it on your podcast. It's like the most mm-hmm. alpine mountain range in the UK. It's you know only accessible by ropes. You know, you've got to abseil a lot of it. And he's asked wow. me to come along and photograph, <laughs> <laughs> which is going to be fun. So he's got he's hired a, a mountain guide up in up on the Isle of Sky. Um, and I'm gonna I think I'm gonna leave the bike behind though for this one. So mm. kind of save on weight, and I don't think there's gonna be much riding. So he's mm. gonna be gonna be carrying up and down. But um, yeah, wow. we spoke about like a drone would have been would be really beneficial for that because you'd be able to get the shot away from the away from the ridge line which would make for some mm. good images yeah and some of the i watched a movie i can't remember which one it was it was a mountain bike movie and it was a drone it was all done in drone footage um through a forest and you'd almost think in some of the shots the rider was actually going to bump into the camera as such yeah um but some of that footage is just amazing yeah it gives such a different perspective i think Something like you, you know, you can't see from your, from, from you know, from from your leg level, really, from your eye level. Mm, mm. And do you think the likes of that kind of technology? Do you think a lot of it is being used within the mountain biking industry? Yeah, definitely. You see it a lot because, like I say, it offers that different perspective, and it can keep up with the action quicker than anything other than someone else riding, I suppose. Mm. So the only way before was to set up like um, like wires in trees and things. I think they've used and kind of mm-hmm. get like a follow cam that way. Whereas now they can use a drone to get any angle they want and keep up with a rider. And like you said about, I think I know the, the film that you're talking about where the, the rider seems to be coming up to the drone and nearly touching yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. you, you can't get things like that, in, you know, with a guy with a guy with a camera. Yeah, it's just crazy, man. And he, these drones now can actually follow you as well. Yeah, with GPS yeah. and all. Yeah, they follow your phone, don't they? I think as well, or latch onto you and latch onto your, your clothes. Yeah, uh, it's not. I uh, that's right. You can show them like if you're wearing a red helmet or something. Yeah. And you kind of choose that on your phone or whatever device you're using, and then the drone just constantly keeps that in vision or something. Yeah, I think it must do. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. I also seen footage of a guy, a canoeist, that was doing whitewater rafting stuff. And uh, he, his canoe was the, was at the side of the river, and he walked over to the canoe. He had the drone in his hand, and he just threw the drone into the river. Right. And then, <laughs> right? And this thing was just bobbing about and drifting about in the river. He got, out, he got into the canoe, he got his phone out, he pressed something on his phone, and the drone just took off out of the water <laughs> and then just followed them down the river yeah it's just insane kind of stuff that, that people are doing now uh, it's nuts and would you ever think about getting into videography as well yeah we spoke about that as, um, 
Sean and I, you know, we I think the next trip that we're going to do, we're going to do a, a winter Munro, and I think we're going to focus and aim for a, you know, like an epic video really, and mm-hmm. kind of go to, down towards that, go down towards that way. But it's, it's kind of hard to think about video compositions and photo compositions at, at the same time. I think. Mm. So I've kind of left left the left the video to Sean. He gets a lot of on his his GoPro footage that we're mm-hmm. thinking about doing. You know, kind of combining his camera, his GoPro with um, my camera. You know, getting some like off off point of view footage. Yeah, because you can take film footage, video footage from your SLR as well, can't you? Yeah, yeah, I can do video on my SLR as well. Yeah, and it's good quality too. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's really good quality. Yeah, the video quality is, uh, it's mm. you know, full 1080p, good quality video. You can get some really good quality video out of uh, SLRs. I think a lot of, you know, film companies use them now and making yeah. high-end films just because of the size of them. I mean, you can get, take them a lot of places that like you can't take a, a big, um, high-end video camera camcorder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's very true, and. Chatting about GoPros there, what what's your feeling about the explosion of the kind of GoPro type camera and the phone cameras and stuff? You know, everybody thinks they're a photographer or a videographer now, but do you think has that helped you or has that hindered you in what you're trying to do in a more professional level? I'm not I'm not sure to be honest. I mean, I, it's not something I've thought about. It's um, it, I suppose any any images, anything on the, on social media or posting is out there if it's if they enjoy it then I suppose that's fair enough but for me it's not it's not much of an issue I I look at images on social media and like I say it seems to be uh, flooded at the moment there's you know images are popping up everywhere and if your images stand out against that against the crowd then it's not it's not a bad thing I don't think Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. No, there's some awesome images on social. You can't. You can't deny it. Some of the images are amazing. You can get some good images as well with your phone, with with your with the GoPro cameras. You know, I've seen some amazing pictures that have been taken. You find out it's been taken with a phone. It's it's not so much the the camera. That's the it's the, it's not the camera taking the picture. Really, it's yeah. the photographer behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. And uh, it's. Uh, it's quite crazy the technology now and what what you can do, you know. Um, and as far as the whole Instagram thing and the images, do you mind people sharing your images and stuff like that on social media? Um, a little bit, yeah. There's a lot of um, I think it's called I don't know what it is. It's like mountain biking, mountain underscore biking. There's a lot of I don't know if it's the same people that share my images or what, but they seem to be selling. They're using my images to sell T-shirts and products. Which I'm, I've, you know, I've got a problem about, but you just can't get in touch with these people. They don't answer your, your emails or comments or things like that. Mm. It, it seems to be like bots set up, I think, that just share share mountain bike related images to mm-hmm. try and sell t-shirts or whatever other bits and bobs have got to sell. Yeah. Yeah, because I was in contact with Sean um, a few days ago, and I said that I wanted to use one of his images, and I knew I knew you had taken it. And uh, <laughs> I said to Sean, would he mind me using it? And he says, well, no, not not at all. But um, just make sure and uh, tag Andy on it, which I did. So yeah, it was the one of um, it was the one of Sean laughing just. Yeah, 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, things like that, it's fine. I don't, I, I said to Sean, you know, anything to kind of promote what he's doing, that's what the images are for, that's why we did it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a great image of him. I think it's brilliant. It's really, really cool. I can't remember what I said to him. I must have, I've, I've been taking it out of him somehow. <laughs> eating his, um, I think you were eating his wheat a bit on the bench in the beach in Inverary. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it just came across as, you know, you're doing this very serious, you know, life in the balance type stuff up in these mountains with nobody about, your life's in your own hands. and But that just, to me, obviously, maybe because I had shown on the on the podcast and I know what you are doing and I know what kind of things you got up to. To me, that just said so much, you know, at that stage as guys, you are still laughing, really enjoying yourself. To me, that just was brilliant. Yeah, well, that whole trip was just, the, the you know, Sean were laughing at the start of it. I've got an image laughing at the start of it. And the last image that I, take, that, that I took was him laughing again when we actually got back onto the ferry because it was a bit of a epic trip just to get just to get back to the ferry really you know we literally were uh, we couldn't we like we both said we couldn't write a better ending because we were one i think we we're 30 seconds from the ferry time and the ferry was actually pulling away as we pulled onto the jetty mm-hmm. so when we, when we actually got onto the ferry we got a bit of a telling off of the uh the ferry guy warned us he actually warned us about being late when we when he dropped us off and <laughs> So it gives a bit of a selling off, and then just says, "Right, you lads look like you need a beer. <laughs> just come, out, come out with two cans for us." <laughs> just that's when we just kind of like both patted each other on the back and did a few cheers and high fived and fist bumps and <laughs> right, epic, epic ending to the trip. Yeah, because Sean's if for some for anybody there that is listening that hasn't seen images of Sean, he, he's got the face is tattooed and everything. Yeah, he's got a striking look. Pretty one way. And are you still rocking the mountain man beard and all yourself? And uh, yes, I still got the. I got called a hipster beard on pink bike, which were, which were quite funny. <laughs> oh dear! Well, anybody with a beard knows a hipster, mate. That's just the way it is. Yeah, and I, I spat out my uh, my craft beer as well when I read that. <laughs> Classic. Um, so, for anybody that is wanting to start out or interested in photography and wants to get into the this kind of thing, what piece of advice would you would you give to them? Basically just go out and shoot and um you know just just YouTube videos are great these days. You can learn everything that you can you can learn anything that you want now on YouTube I think. So if you've got a camera you just all you've got to do is just go out and, and take pictures and just don't be a, don't be afraid to kinda look at them and judge them for yourself, you know, and try and progress from there. Yeah, totally. And um, I suppose they need to kind of learn some editing as well and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the camera, your camera does edit your photo um, for you when you're shooting JPEG. So, you know, you do get a ready, a a file ready to kind of view and post from your camera. Um, But yeah, I think, to get the best out of your images, the editing's got to, you've got to edit your photos yourself, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as equipment, just, they don't have to spend an absolute fortune, but what would be the kind of, the outlay they would need to kind of spend to get something half decent? Yeah, like a three, I think it's about three to four hundred pounds can get you a decent, a decent SLR these days, a decent digital SLR with a lens yeah. as well. So 
wow. quite, quite accessible. Mm. No, that's very good. Now to get them on the way and get them going then. I am actually doing a, a photo workshop. Um, we do like a, a mountain bike specific photography course where um, I'm oh. team, teaming up with uh, Chris from Wush, Wush Mountain Biking. He's a, a guide based in Yorkshire. And we've already done one around the Pennines in the, uh, around Hebden Bridge where we took a few guys out and they brought the cameras and we just had a little ride out. Chris gives um, riding techniques and coaching, um, trying to, you know, push people out, you know, trying to get the best out of riding mm-hmm. um, and also what was good in, in an image as well. And it's kind of worked, you know, it works well together, does that photography side and the coaching because we can then use the images to see where people are going wrong, you know. Ah, yes, very smart. As well as get, yeah. as well as get, get the images as well. Yeah, and it's cool, you know. And I suppose for a group of mountain bikers, if you're going to do something, you're going on holidays, or you're going to a resort, or you're going somewhere, you know, up in the mountains where there's awesome scenery, you're obviously going to want to take photos of it. Yeah, exactly. You want to, like, like how I started in it, really. You know, you, you want to capture what you see and what you do, you know, as the best that you can. Yeah, so that's really good. Could you send me some info on that, and I'll put the info up in the show notes. Is there a website for it or anything like that? Are you just doing or? Yeah, well, what we've both got at the moment is it's on our Facebook pages. So it's, um, there's links to the event on there. We've got one coming up on the eighth of December around Ilkley Moor. Um, I think we've got a couple of spaces left on that. Okay, cool. All right. Well, I shall stick that info up in the show notes, um, so people can get quick access to it. Andy, and uh, because I'm sure people will be interested in that. Yeah, we've got a lot of interest in the, the last one that we did went down really well as well. Um, we, you know, we had three three guys out with us, um, and you know, different abilities, different different camera abilities, different riding abilities, and it just seemed to work really well. It, like one guy wanted more of the riding techniques, more of the coaching side of it, as the other two wanted more of the camera camera techniques. Mm-hmm. So we had a subject really to photograph. We had a guy that wanted to progress on his mountain bike, while we could stand back and take photos of him. And you know, then standing, you know, the other two guys were stepping in front of the camera and getting images of themselves riding. So everybody comes away with images as well, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's cool, man. And a pie. Yeah, that's a really good idea. We had a, a pie at the end as well, so went to <laughs> a local a local bar and we could we put a slideshow of all the images that we'd taken over the day. Uh, had a couple of beers and a pie. It was a good ending to the trip, uh, good ending to the, the tutorial. Yeah, happy days. No, that sounds very good. And, you know, it's, I've never heard of anybody doing anything like that before, but it makes sense. Yeah, well, I think it goes hand in hand, you know. Like you said, it's when you go riding, you go to these nice spots, and it's nice to capture, you know, what you see and the, the best that you can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. So... Before I let you go, Andy, I've, I've kept you long enough. Have you anything cool planned for the near future, anything bike-related you can tell us about? Um, I've got a race coming up on Sunday, which is the first time I'm going to be stepping in front of the camera, I suppose. For oh, cool. The first time I'm racing. So, yeah. All right, tell us a wee bit about that. Where's that at? It's in Air Forest for the Northern Downhill, which is quite a, like a grassroots race series. Mm-hmm. Done over the weekend? Yeah, that's on Sunday. So I think I'm gonna. I think I'm up Skidall on Friday. Um, 
a hill in the Lake District. And I've got the trip coming up with Sean, the winter trip, uh, which is going to be fun. So we've got ice axes and crampons involved with this as well. So it's going to be <laughs> oh, no. a little bit more weight <laughs> to carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually oh. modified some tyres. So we've got some ice tyres now uh, from the guys at MSC. They provide us with yeah. some tyres. So it's, it's kind of um, put some screws in and we've got some ice tyres now. Wow. So that could be, you know, could be quite an epic trip, trip really. Yeah, man, that would be that would be so cool. And what's on your bucket list? If you could do anything to to shoot or fell them, or what would you do? What would you really like to do? Um, I've got the Himalayas in mind, and a couple of trips wow. in the Alps. Uh, I did the Tour de Mont Blanc? I think it was three years ago now. Um, so yeah, something like that again, like a hook to hook based. Mm-hmm. Wow, that would be awesome. Yeah, um, I said the, the Tournament Blanc was amazing. We're just surrounded by huge mountains all the time, and the riding was just phenomenal. Yeah. Well, you're getting plenty of good experience for Sean, that's for sure. Yeah, say that again. It's um, It's been an experience anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Andy, how can people best get in contact with you and with ALC Photography? How can they best figure out what you're doing and find out where you're at and stuff? Yes, both on Facebook and Instagram. It's at ALC Photos Leads. So that's ALC Photos Leads, one word. And that's mm-hmm. both Instagram and Facebook. And you can, on the Facebook page, there's the, the links to the events there that we've got, that, the workshops that we've got running. Um, and you can contact me there from direct messages or PMs on both Facebook and Instagram. Cool, man. That's cool. And I'll put all the links up in the show notes for people to see there as well. I post more regularly on Instagram, I think, these days than I do Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Instagram seems to be massive with mountain bikers. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's so easy to kind of fill your feed up with what you like on Instagram, which is why I like Instagram over Facebook now. But yeah, mm, I think, you know, you don't get to yeah. your friends you know, what they had for the tea or whatever, you can actually follow who you want to follow and get to see content that's, that interests you. Yeah, I think that's so true. Yep, cool, man. Listen, it's been awesome having you on the show, Andy. And, um, no, cheers, I wish you, Yeah, no problem. And listen, I wish you all the best, you and Sean, for what, whatever you've got up to, whatever crazy stuff you got up to. And yeah. We'll maybe get you we'll maybe get you back on for a double show sometime or something for you after your next massive adventure. Yeah, that'd be good, yeah. We might say we've got a couple of trips coming up. We've got the the winter one and the uh the Cullen Ridge. Yeah. Two epics. That winter one will be tough, man. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Just I, I don't know, you you'll have to carry coffees or something with you i don't know how you would go are they going to be you go to be camping out and stuff is that the way you're going to do that or we're not sure yet we've, we've got a couple of ideas in mind we're just going to keep an eye on the weather and see what see what happens really and then just take it from there sean's black betty best being best performance yeah well that's just, <laughs> we're also looking at a place that we can actually drive into as well like down a down a bit of a dirt track or a forest trail kind of just to add, mm-hmm. add to the add to the scene a little bit for the video and the images class man it sounds epic it sounds epic well here i wish you all the best with that and uh good luck for the future all right yep cheers and thanks for having us on again no bother andy all the best cheers 
Dudes, that's a wrap for episode 64. I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you got some information from Andy and the episode uh, just regarding photography. It's such an interesting side of the business at the minute because everything's so image-driven. And um, I think, you know, we all kind of absorb mountain biking through images and through video. And um, it's just really important to chat to guys like Andy and, and see how he goes about that because... His images are so amazing and um, you really do need to check them out. So if you want to find out more info on Andy and get quick links to his website and Facebook, etc., just go to the MTB Tribe show notes. You can find them at mtb-tribe.com. Just search for Andy's episode 064 and you'll be able to read a wee bit more about our interview and get quick links and stuff like that to Andy. So that would be cool and I'm sure Andy would appreciate that. Now, Andy, sir, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat to you and it was great to have you as a guest on the show. So thanks so much and I hope your future dates with Sean and whatever else you're getting up to there um, go really well and I'm sure they will. I'm so looking forward to seeing the images from that so um, good luck sir and i wish you all the best now folks if you want to get more involved and help out the show all you have to do is simply log on to mtb-tribe.com you can subscribe there you can get in contact there just let me know of anybody you'd like to hear from on the show or any topic you'd like covered on the show and i will do my best to get that sorted for you i do read all emails and i will get back to you So you can do that. That's awesome. The best way to help the show, folks, is just by word of mouth. Share the show. If you're listening to it on iTunes, just leave a review and subscribe there and share the show with friends. Take a screen snapshot and uh, just post it out on your socials. That always helps a bunch. So, folks, thanks so much. You can listen to the show via the website. Simply download or stream it from there. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. So folks, have a great week. I hope you get out in the pedals and I hope you have a great time on the trails. I will chat to you next week for another episode of the MTB Tribe Podcast.